hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. About 73 BC, Alma the Younger, caught in the agony of his many sins, suddenly cried out in his heart, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me. And you'll recall, as soon as he did, he said, I could remember my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my many sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding, he said, as was my pain. And then he records that he even saw God sitting upon his throne. And he adds this, listen carefully. And my soul did long to be there. End of quote. The source for that is Alma chapter 36. Second instance. In the spring of 1820, young Joseph Smith Jr. stood in the presence of the father and the son and conversed with them. Later, in 1832, he would write himself and describe that experience. Quote, my soul was filled with love, and for many days I could rejoice with great joy, and the Lord was with me. End of quote. That's Joseph's 1832 history. Next one. The winner of 1833 in the School of the Prophets in the Newell K. Whitney store there in Kirtland, Ohio, John Murdoch one of those attending the school, described the following. He said, The prophet told us if we could humble ourselves before God and exercise strong faith, we should see the face of the Lord. And about midday, he said, the visions of my mind were opened and the eyes of my understanding were enlightened and I saw the form of a man. Most lovely. The visage of his face was sound and fair as the sun. His hair, a bright silver gray, curled in a most majestic form. His eyes, a keen, penetrating blue, and the skin of his neck, a most beautiful white, and he was covered from the neck to the feet with a loose garment, pure white whiter than any garment I have ever before seen. His countenance was most penetrating and yet most lovely. And while I was endeavoring to comprehend the whole personage from head to foot, it slipped from me and the vision was closed. Now listen to this. But it left on my mind the impression of love for months, 
that I never felt before to that degree. End of quote. Do you see where I'm going with this? And again, about 1918, a story I told you not long ago, Elder Melvin J. Ballard was given a dream or vision of the Savior himself in the temple. He described it as follows, quote, As I entered the room, I saw, seated on a raised platform, the most glorious being I have ever conceived of and was taken forward to be introduced to him. As I approached, he smiled and called my name and stretched out his hands toward me. If I live to be a million years old, he said, I shall never forget that smile. He put his arms around me and kissed me as he took me into his bosom and he blessed me until my whole being was thrilled. As he finished, I fell at his feet and there saw the marks of the nails. And as I kissed them, with deep joy swelling through my whole being, I felt that I was in heaven indeed. And then he adds this. The feeling that came to my heart then was, Oh, if I could live worthy, though it would require fourscore years and more, so that in the end, when I have finished, I could go into his presence and receive the feeling that I then had in his presence, I would give everything that I am or ever hope to be. End of quote. These are just a few examples we could cite of those who have stood in the presence of God and described it. Is it any wonder then that in 3 Nephi chapter 17, when the Lord Jesus announced that he must leave, quote, Behold, they, the Nephites, were in tears and did look steadfastly upon him as if they would ask him to tarry a little longer with them. They could not bear the pain of being away from him. And lastly, the disciples of Jesus were journeying. This is 3 Nephi 27. And united in mighty prayer and fasting when the Savior showed himself unto them, the twelve. Many things were discussed and taught. But then at the end, Jesus said to them, What is it that you desire of me after that I am gone to the Father? Evidently, nine of the twelve knew exactly what they wanted and did not hesitate. Quote, We desire that after we have lived unto the age of man, that our ministry wherein thou hast called us may have an end, that we may come speedily unto thee in thy kingdom. End of quote. Of all the things that these wise disciples could have asked for. The thing they wanted most now and forever was to be with him in the presence of God. What is heaven? It is where God is. It is what God is. 
the greatest of all the gifts of God is to be with him, with our families, forever. I'm not sure that we can comprehend the awesome power of love, of standing worthy in the presence of the Lord and feel that love. But I like you. I want to. And no matter what it costs in the end, just to be with him is worth it. In the early decades of the 19th century, Americans did not celebrate Christmas according to the customs we do now. Christmas trees and ornaments and things like that. Christmas in the early 19th century was a day to gather with family and friends. So, you don't find a lot of great Christmas celebrations among the pioneers. I want to tell you about the last Christmas celebration of the prophet Joseph Smith. In 1837, persecution mounted in Kirtland, and within days over Christmas, Joseph would have to flee for his life to Missouri. The Christmas of 1838, Joseph spent in Liberty Jail. The Christmas of 1839, he was in Washington, D.C., being spurned by politicians as he went there seeking compensation for church members who had lost their belongings to mobs in Missouri. The Christmas of 1842, he met with Governor Ford about difficulties between saints and their non-member neighbors in Illinois. Now, there are times in this life for you, for me, when we are blessed with one of those perfect days that remains in our memories forever. The Christmas of 1843 was one of those for the prophet Joseph. It was his last Christmas on earth. He and his family had just moved into the newly constructed mansion house. All was quiet and at peace in Nauvoo. And then around one o'clock in the morning, on Christmas morning, Joseph and Emma were awakened in the mansion house by singing outside their bedroom window. The prophet recorded this in his history. Christmas, 1843, Monday the 25th. This morning, about one o'clock, I was aroused by an English sister, Lettuce Rushton, widow of Richard Rushton Sr., who, ten years ago, lost her sight. Accompanied by three of her sons and their wives and her two daughters, with their husbands and several of her neighbors singing, Mortals awake and with angels join, which caused, he said, a thrill of pleasure to run through my soul. All of my family and boarders arose to hear the serenade, and I felt to thank my Heavenly Father for their visit and blessed them in the name of the Lord. They also visited my brother Hiram, who was awakened from his sleep. He arose and went out of doors. He shook hands with and blessed each one of them in the name of the Lord and said that he thought at first that a cohort of angels had come to visit him. It was such 
heavenly music to him. Later that day, Joseph and Emma Smith invited 50 couples to their home for a mid-afternoon meal. And during the evening, many people in Nauvoo stopped by the mansion house for food, music, and even dancing. Christmas Day, 1843, was a day which began with songs praising the Lord and continued in the company of family and friends who valued him the most. It would be Joseph Smith's last Christmas. Six months later, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose special witness Joseph was, called the prophet home. Now, as you'll be hearing more about in the future, in February, me and some friends are going back to Costa Rica. I wanted to share with you, just in a preparation, one of the adventures I had in Costa Rica the last time I was there. This is not a Christmas story. This is one of my personal experiences from my time in Costa Rica. It's February 23rd, 2020, Turialba, Costa Rica. It was, for me, a day of pushing the limits. It began with whitewater rafting in one of the best rivers in the world, the Pacuari, which for me is pushing the limits because I don't like water. I never have. But I did it because I trusted Walter, our river guide, would keep us safe. Then we stopped, we ate lunch, and then went ziplining through the jungle canopy. This was a seven-stage zipline, sometimes nearly 100 feet up in the canopy and at speeds that seemed to take the breath away. But Arturo and Alejandro showed us that we could be safe as we stepped off into the clouds. And then, at the end of the zipline, waited the Tarzan swing. That was appropriately named. One by one, each of us in the party was clipped in and pulled off the platform. It was hard to tell what followed from my friends. Was it either a yell of thrill or a scream of abject terror? I stood with great amusement and watched it all pass. My turn was coming up. My friend Mark turned to me and asked me if I was nervous, and I said, no, probably if I had any sense, I would be scared. But then after he asked me, I thought about it. What was I thinking? Trusting some guys I barely knew to buckle me in correctly to this flimsy-looking harness and step off a cliff trusting that the lines would hold me. And finally, hoping that once I was out there dangling into hundreds of feet of nothing, that the guys could get me back down in one piece. I looked at the precipice I was about to step off of and felt a rush of anxiety. But then another thought came. I got this. Me and the guys, we got this. They know what they're doing. I trust them. They trust me. And just as importantly, I trust me. I can do this. Puerto! I yelled, which was the signal. And the line jerked me off the platform. And I do mean jerked. 
Down I went and out. I swung far out into space and back. Now, just before I'd buckled up, Arnaldo had told me that I could let go of the rope above me and lie back, that the double harness would hold me. So I did, and it worked. You can even go upside down, he said, and wrap your feet around the line. So once again, not holding on to anything, trusting the harness, I flipped upside down, wrapped my feet around the line, and let go with my hands. It was a rush like no other. The end of that day, a day of thrills of pushing the limit, testing my faith and finding out what I could do and who I could trust. I was all alone in my jungle cabin, looking out over the Costa Rican jungle, reflecting on my experiences by candlelight. And I wrote this story. As the night sounds of the jungle came to life, I was led to conclude. Life is all about learning what is good and what is bad, who I can trust and who I can't. When I learn who to trust and what is good, and then let go and trust the good, the wise, and the skilled, I'm going to have incredible experiences, make memories eternal, find a lot of joy here and hereafter. The trick, my dear friends, is learning who we can trust. Again, I wrote that at the jungle camp at the Bacori River in Costa Rica. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week. <music>